Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I'm excited to introduce somebody that's been a very good friend of mine for quite a few years now. Her name is Julie Foster. Julie, how long is it since we've known each other now? Uh, I was trying to think that before I came on, actually, but I, I think it must be going on about nine years, something like that. Yeah, maybe even a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> a while, a while. <laughs> I agree. And Julie is an intuitive loss coach. So what does that actually entail, Julie, to start off with? Uh, just give the listeners a bit of an insight as to what that refers to. Yeah, sure. I think, I, you know, all through my life, I've tried to use my own life experience to then serve others. And I've been a coach for over 25 years, coaching women predominantly in their own development in business. And then that pivoted five years ago when I became a widow and a year ago, I was asked on another podcast, funny enough, to talk about grief, um, my first Christmas without my husband. And from that, I got inspired and thought, well, just go out and serve in that way then. So I'm now um, going under that new title, if you like, of an intuitive loss coach, which means I'm working with widows, women who've lost their partners or their long lost loves. Um, and that can be for a short time or long, lots of years um, into finding their own new precious life, stepping into their new identity and finding a new energy because, you know, grief can flatten your energy to absolutely nothing. <laughs> and it's kind of helping people to rebuild, which is what I've had to do over the last five years. Absolutely. And as part of that process, you've been on a bit of a dating journey and (laughs) the subject for this particular podcast, are you making these dating mistakes? Because we spoke off air about, you know, a little bit what your journey has been like for you since you suffered the loss of your beloved husband. And we thought it would make for a great, interesting conversation. So, Junie, over to you. What, what, what can you help and support and advise women and uh, give insights around in terms of the dating scene these days? Yeah, I, I think the main point I would invite anybody that's in considering dating after loss is to realise that you are vulnerable. However strong you feel, however ready you feel, you have to realise, I would say, please sit and realise that you are in a vulnerable position meaning that emotionally you are um, vulnerable. Maybe physically you are vulnerable, I don't know, Um, but definitely emotionally you are. And when I started my dating, it was about a year and four months after my husband passed away. And I was definitely, with hindsight, you know, great wisdom comes, I was definitely looking for something to fill the gap, um, the hole of the emotional hole in my heart, um, definitely had aspirations to find a new life partner, you know, it was, or, or, you know, cause you'll have your desires, you'll have your 
what you want when you go dating. Some ladies are not going to be where I was. Some ladies will just want company. Some ladies will want um, romances and flings and sexual encounters that, you know, it's whatever you go into it for. But that was my story. <clears throat> and again, looking back, I think, well, Kevin and I met when I was 16 and we married when I was 18. I had very, very little dating experience. Mm. I had been with him for 41 years. So my experience about just going out on dates and being with other people and finding out really who I was, uh, was minimal. <laughs> so yeah, I made mistakes, just like you would when you were 16. You kind of thought you wanted one thing, went out looking for it and got lots of different things instead. <laughs> yeah. So what was, yeah, I suppose, let's touch on, you know, some of these, I suppose, what in hindsight are lessons, but, you know, at the time you probably thought well, that was a huge mistake <laughs> I made yeah. in terms of that yeah. particular scenario. Okay. I will, yeah, there's some funny stories. You know, there's always funny stories if you talk to women about dating and men as well. Um, but I suppose my first few dates was were things like you know well where do I go I want to feel safe so I chose a pub that I knew and um a calf that I knew so with either of those two places I would meet and um I had the the pipe and slippers man first of all that's what I call him the pipe and slippers man um <laughs> he, he spent an hour the whole hour telling me every detail of the day that his wife died and every time he mentioned something like she was a good cook, he'd say to me, are you a good cook? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she kept a really nice house. Do you like housework? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I feel like I'm being interviewed for a housekeeper job here. I'm not being dated at all. So that, that was, yeah, that's the pipe and slippers man. And then I had the TV man. So we went on a date uh, to the CAF. And um, he, he, again, I felt like I was being interviewed to find out what TV shows I watched. And if I didn't watch the same ones as him, I wasn't a good match. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually wasn't because I didn't watch anything that he watched at all. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. And then I met uh, somebody who I still see now, even like four years on, who um, a spiritualist told me once he was, uh, she viewed this man that I would was dating to be a ferry man so not the man I'd stay with forever but a man that would take me from where I was to some other place uh, internally me I would find out about me and she was so right he has been a so he's called the ferry man um and what I've been able to do with him is really explore my um, my my sexuality my uh, the essence of woman if you like just because he's allowed that he's he was he's a bit wild and encouraging and and gently uh gently expanding uh, what i will allow uh, and and in that process i've found um yeah amazing freedom and lots of myself that i didn't even know i had so my fairy man has been um yeah, quite enlightening, I would say. Yeah. And then we have the narcissist. I'll oh, be careful out there for the narcissist. Jeez. Like they 
they build you up right so because you know you're vulnerable i'll go back to that again you're vulnerable you're looking for love you know you're looking for emotional contact you're looking for that connection and um the narcissist gave me that for a good two months uh, a lot of attention uh, i'm a creative person i'm quite poetic and he was doing that he was kind of mirroring all these things that i really loved we went on some very exciting dates um crazy mad things that we did i went to south end one day in the pouring rain got absolutely drenched but laughed all day long stuff like that really really lovely um stability wise he didn't have a good life going on and that worried me i thought a bit of a red flag you know he was living at his son's on his sofa compassionate me oh you know feel sorry for him he's like he'll get his life back together warning 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 if you see these things they are facts you cannot fall in love with the potential of somebody kind of have to see what you what you see and you are my grandmother is it right to swear lynn (laughs) 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 not badly but she used to say if you were dating somebody, you know, watching my my mum's singleton journey after she was divorced, um, and if she was dating someone that wasn't quite suitable in my nan's eyes, she would just say, Pearl, you've got shit in your eyes. <laughs> that saying comes back to me lots of times. And what she was meaning, obviously, was, you know, you've got a fog. You have a brain fog about you when you are seeking to find someone else to make you feel whole. And none of these characters did that for me. In the end, I've come to the conclusion, it might take me a while, but, you know, I I can only really be in love with me first and foremost, and then be available to someone else who matches that vibration. So some of these other dates, you know, didn't do that. So the narcissist, go back to him, um, he switched on like this, just like this suddenly the messaging changed uh, the compliments changed uh, he became quite um sarcastic um demeaning we were out once and um yeah kind of treated me really badly in front of one of my friends and that really was the end of that because I thought I don't know what's happened to you but it's not happening to me anymore so we finished it and then he you know and then he's like contact me why did you finish with me why did you you know went all pathetic and it's like well because a narcissist will always want to feel better than you do so beware ladies because there are a few of them out there and just open your eyes to the facts that you see i would say to try and save you from some of the mistakes um that i've been making or have made i think it's you know very important to if you are actually sensing that something isn't right, then that is your intuition telling you yeah. something isn't right. And to, to listen to the red flags. And also, you know, um, quite often your friends and family will be noticing that probably something isn't sitting right with you. And if they're mentioning, you know, you're not, this doesn't sound right, then, you know, listen to that as being a red flag and understand that they're saying that from a place of love, not criticism. Absolutely right. And I think, you you know, the intuitive part is really important because one of my top values is family. And it matters to me that somebody that I might bring into my life would um, be, you know, be in alignment with my family. It doesn't have to be total acceptance because that's not what it's about, but, but to be in some alignment with them and 
that was always one of my markers that I would think, would I would I ask this man to a family do? You know, would I, would I ask this man to meet my grown up children? I don't know. And there was only really one one person that I dated two years ago now who was a lovely, lovely man. Cannot say anything other than that. Um, we were both mu- uh, loved music, jazz particularly. Um, we had a great year of going to events, jazz events, um, sharing time with each other. He had his house, I had mine. He was a gardener, so we'd go and share, do stuff on his allotment. And we went walking, which is one of my loves. So, uh, you know, on the surface of it, it was all feeling really good and I did take him to a family do and my family really liked him but the spark of passion that I need in a relationship didn't happen it was it was okay and I kept thinking maybe it'll come in time Mm. you know because I'm an impatient little monkey and I thought look impatience hasn't served you very well right now young lady you know you've been out with this one that one and the other one and they haven't really been because some of them were you know instant passion that instant attraction thing and this particular person wasn't that although I, I liked him but there wasn't that wow thing and in the end that's why I I, I ended the relationship so a warning again is like don't deny your true feelings in the beginning I don't want to say that that doesn't come for some people because I can only talk about my own experience. But for me, the passionate spark thing that I need didn't happen in the end. And it was quite it was quite hard to finish that relationship because there was love between us, but it wasn't enough for me. Well, I always talk about, you know, that there are two sorts of love. You know, there's the friendship type love that you have with your friends and family. And then there's the passionate spark and uh you know the red-blooded male (laughs) that's it yeah there's you know and it it wasn't even you know if we talk about the the sexual side of it it wasn't bad or anything it was it but it was just I don't know there was just that thing that wasn't there you know the the magic thing (laughs) if we could do if we could bottle that we'd be millionaires wouldn't we but yeah so in it matter what matters to you matters to you you know so as a that's what I want to say it's just my experience other women may be really happy with a great companionship a great friendship um and that's the relationship they want especially later on in life I mean I'm 65 this year but I still in my head I'm 22 so yeah. you know, what do I do with that <laughs> well, I'm 61 myself yeah I haven't got a mentality of I want passion in my life definitely and you know as long as I'm able to be sexually active I will always want that and uh, me too yeah me too about aliveness because once you've tasted that aliveness you know anything else doesn't feel as though you know it's a great relationship in terms of a romantic relationship I mean you can have outside relationships that fill the void of friendship but you know in terms of an intimate partner you, you do for me anyway, want to feel alive and feel like the yeah. is always yeah. making you that feel is the feeling. Fulfilled. That is the feeling, definitely, to feel to feel alive. Um yeah, I think you know in terms of mistakes, 
it's a funny word I guess but we understand what it means we kind of for me it means I did it I thought it was okay at the time but now I realized it wasn't <laughs> it's like that's what mistake means and you learn from that don't you which is the joyful thing but I think I can't help but go back to the vulnerability thing and I gave myself I feel like I I because I'm a giver so I, will, I don't want to not be me but I have to be me in a safe way for me hmm. And I wasn't. I think I was so vulnerable at the time that, yeah, some of these relationships, I was seeing more there than there really was because I wanted to. You know, I wanted, I was caught up in the romance of it all, really. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, my advice would be date a lot if you're ready for dating or date a little bit if you don't know if you're ready and just try it and see. But understand this about yourself understand that you are vulnerable listen to your intuition whatever it is telling you it is right you know it's your intuition your inner teacher and but I think when you are vulnerable you will turn the noise down of your inner teacher sometimes because yeah, on some level yeah. you feel like you're getting a need met somewhere else so it's like yeah shush for now <laughs> Especially if, like you said, you know, um, you get caught up in the romance. Sometimes we can romanticise a partner, you know, and fall in love with the idea of love so much that we will blind ourselves to the red flags. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is that is a big mistake. It's a big mistake for you yourself to make. You know, it's like understand yourself, understand. And boundaries have become really important for me. Mm. And that's what I help my clients with as well, is like creating boundaries for yourself that enable you to feel safe, but also have fun. You know, also be okay to go out and explore, but have like a boundary fence, you know, like with the narcissist, for example. You know, that didn't take me very long. The moment that he, he changed and became derogatory towards me that's like no I'm not ever, that is an absolute no-no and all the romantic stuff and everything just went just shut down yeah. that was a very very quick decision maybe because it's more obvious whereas some other people like with the the man I spoke to you about that I was with for a year I was allowing things because it felt good at the time and I was in love with the potential of something else happening Hmm. So the boundary for me is get real, right? Look at the reality of what is showing up for you. People will always show you who they are, won't they? Oh, of course they will. And more importantly, you will show yourself who you are. You know, I've had conversations in my head where the contrast conversation, you know, where one little voice is saying something and the other little voice is saying something else. And it's like, well, why do we do that? Well, there's an ego, you know, involved in all of that. But there is your basic human needs are being met somehow with this person you're with. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's right for you. It's like, just have a look at what need is they're meeting and see if you can get that met somewhere else. If that relationship feels anything like, a, you know, a tad unhealthy, a bit off. You know, just a little bit of doubt if you're having these contrast conversations. They're signals. Absolutely. They're signals to listen to. And like you say, that we, when it comes to getting our needs met, we can get them met in a healthy way or a healthy way. 
you know, and yeah. feeling you're getting that need met in an unhealthy way, that is a red flag for you to know that, yes, you know, that need is important to get met, but if it's not feeling good, then it's not right. No, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, it takes a bit of strength and courage um, to do that. Hmm. Because at the time when you want attention and somebody is paying you that attention, you know, it's a metaphorical stroke, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah you know, it's, it makes you feel good kind of getting a stroke. It's like, it's lovely. It's lovely. But your other voice is going, hey, hang on a minute. Kind of what about that? Hmm. What about that? And that wasn't that didn't feel very good. And, and also, I, I realised that I had um, in in my forty one year year marriage, which I don't want to give anyone the illusion it was all fairy tale and wonderful. It wasn't. And um, there was a point in my marriage when my husband had an affair. So before that, I'd been a hundred and ten percent trust person. I never ever doubted anything he ever told me, said to me. I thought I knew him so well, and for reasons I understand and we worked it out so we kind of had two marriages the one before the affair and the one afterwards if that makes sense yes but I know that um probably after he died and I went on this journey of dating the mistrust part of me it came to the fore it really came to the fore and of course you you know I understand that was just a protection for me I, I had this big thing unconsciously I don't know how much it had affected me, but for a while it it interfered or it sort of came into my dating because I found myself mistrusting everybody because mm. I didn't know them. Mm. And so I would be like <laughs> Inspector Clouseau, <laughs> you know, like trawling their profiles and having to look at who their friends were and doing this, and like testing them and things. And I thought, Jesus, oh, this is, that's unhealthy it's not healthy for me but I understand why I was doing it so it's having a constructive boundary not a destructive one so a destructive boundary would have been mistrust everybody forever then you'll be safe right mm. yeah but then I would have felt poop and that wasn't very good so I did some work on my own trust issues and healed as much as I could from all of that so that I didn't make that mistake because you know how about Mr Wonderful was coming along and a big mistake would have been to miss that Mr Wonderful because I didn't learn how to trust. 100% I'm glad you shared that because you know trust is a big thing isn't it and yeah um, huge. The thing is if we adopt that belief you know that all men are untrustworthy or in the context of anybody you know all people yeah. are untrustworthy then that's what you're going to manifest in future partners is a reason to keep that belief true for you isn't it yeah absolutely it is yeah and it's you know in the end you again it all comes back to you which is again you know you're the intuitive part of all of this is understanding that 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 mistrust was in me yes and therefore what do I do about that well I don't look to someone else to sort that out or show up in the right way I've got to heal me I've got to look at the my psychology I've got to look at what's going on inside my heart and really think well what what's that about what needs healing there what needs talking through what needs understanding and that's you know from there now I have a boundary around trust so I will still be careful but I understand that 
it's okay to let people be who they are. And more than that, I actually want them to be who they are, exactly who they are, because then I can see. Because if you mistrust someone and you start asking them lots of questions, what do you think they do? Well, they start hiding things from you. So yeah. you don't see them. You don't really see them. So it's a, it's a sabotaging strategy. And also it can put people off, you know, if, it, you know, if you're, you're, you're showing that mistrust of them. Gosh, yeah. Is, you know, that, that, that's not an attractive trait, is it? No, it's not. And it, and it creates codependency as well, which is not what you want in a good relationship either. So that's been a big, uh, a big learning for me, which I'm grateful to come out the other side of. <laughs> yeah. So how did you manage, you know, and how did you sort of find out about your husband's infidelity, if you don't mind talking about that? No, I don't mind at all. Um, I, I knew that something was off. You know, so that was an intuitive feeling in the beginning. And then that was backed up with evidence. So behavior change. So one of the examples, you know, been married to someone for so long. My husband didn't like clothes shopping, never liked clothes shopping. So sometimes we go out together. Sometimes we sort of do the, you know, catalog shopping. <laughs> I could say like that, like that. Um, but in all those years, I ne honest, never, never saw him go shopping on his own. And he came in one day with a, a new leather jacket, two pairs of trousers, a new shirt and some aftershave. I was like, excuse yeah. me, who are you? <laughs> who are you? You're not the person that I'm going to like, excuse me. Um, buying CDs, um, being out late, making excuses. Um, How long have you been married for at this time? Uh, 27 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 27 years. So, um, they, they were the, they were the flags. And also, um, we had had a very, very active sex life. Um, that was good for many years, but hadn't been so good in most more recent years. Um, because my husband, I know now was an alcoholic. Um, I, I had a high dependence on drink. And because of that, I, I was withdrawing a bit. Mm. I kind of didn't like it. So that was all getting in the way. I kind of came up with this lovely saying, really, that, you know, how you behave outside of the bedroom is how I behave inside it. Or, it, you know, it interacts, it impacts how I behave inside it. So we had this horrible little cycle thing going on. Um, but then, then things got you know, to a point where I was just like, there, there is definitely something going on. I asked him outright and he, he denied it. So one day I sat with his little Nokia phone, because <laughs> this was a long time ago. And I, well, I can't remember where he was. He must have gone out and left it or been asleep or something. I don't remember. And I wrote down, quickly wrote down the phone numbers that were showing up in his record. And um, then when I was on my own here, with my house phone, I didn't have a mobile then. Um, I just systematically phoned every one of these numbers. Uh, most of them were men that answered from work, you know, people that he worked with, until I got to down, halfway down the list and um, this woman answered the phone. And I didn't know what I was gonna say. I had no idea. I was just like, let's do it. And um, I said to her, oh, I said, hello. I said, you don't know me. And I don't know you, but your phone number is in my husband's phone. And I'm just wondering why. 
and she put the phone down straight away and immediately I phoned Kevin and he was engaged. So I kept ringing him and ringing him and eventually he answered the phone and I said, do not insult my intelligence by telling me, denying anything. I said, I know. I said, I'm going to my mum's. I don't know when I'll be back. And, and that's what I did. So, and we sorted it out from there because we decided that we wanted to make a go of, you know, to try again, which was a journey and a half. Mm. Yeah. But I took my responsibility in, in, in the relationship and why he needed to, to go and seek that somewhere else as he took responsibility for his part as well. I had become a career woman, was working in London, long hours, earning lots of money, wearing power suits. <laughs> Yeah. I've got a picture of myself in that time and it's like, oh my God, who the hell is she? But, you know, that's what I felt was important at the time. What gave me my significance, what, you know, created what I wanted in my life in terms of security around money and status and feeling important. And he, you know, he'd felt that I'd moved away and didn't need him anymore. Right. So, and he, you know, which is... I think if you're going to make a go of it, if you're in this situation, it's like you really have to have these courageous conversations to understand why each of you, you know, what, what was the reason? Because there's a reason why people drift away or go and look for something somewhere else, in my opinion. You know, if everything's okay at home, you know, what's the saying? You don't go, don't go looking for, <laughs> what is it? You don't go looking for steak if you a burger of the steak at home is that the same yeah yeah, I think it's <laughs> yeah yeah but it's um you know it was a very very painful time very painful time um but you know we made it and actually the, the second marriage as I call it we had was better on lots of levels better on lots of mostly because we communicated a lot more mm. you know because actually at the seat of all what went wrong was because we weren't communicating. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, you know, I can hear and feel that, you know, that was a big deal and uh, a big, mm. a big part of much in terms of your own wisdom and learning around relationships for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I didn't think I'd be sharing this here today, but I think I will because it's really valuable for your listeners to understand that you can open up parts of yourself and you can also close down parts of yourself completely unconsciously. So um, I, during our second marriage, I went through the menopause. I went through breast cancer and as a result of both those things and drugs I was taking and all the sorts of things, you know, that happen. Um, my, uh, how can I put this delicately? Well, things weren't, things weren't working in the way that they, they had been in terms of my own. Um, I had dryness, put it that way. Right. So I, I lost all my fluid and juices during sex. Mm. So we had got in the habit of using lubrication. And, and that was fine. But I totally accepted that was my body, the changes I'd had in my body. And that was, you know, that was how it was. That was yeah. fine. When I got together with Mr. Ferryman, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's all working. 
Okay, perfectly fine. Thank you very much. Right. Big, big lesson. Big lesson in, in, yeah, in understanding that your body will and does things that you consciously will make a reason for and actually unconsciously it's not, it's the emotional stuff. So in some way I had closed a part of me off to Kevin because he hurt me. And that affected the dryness or lubrication of your own natural Exactly, yes. exactly. Which, which I think, you know, my learning there was, Jesus, this is, you know, that is powerful stuff. Because, you know, like you, I've been coaching for a long time and I like to think I have a fairly good understanding of how we operate, you know, how we, how we function, how our psychology affects us and our emotional health. But that was quite a shock for me. Yeah. Yeah. A nice one. <laughs> yeah, a nice one. Yeah. To know that you, your natural bodily fluids and juices were, were able to function absolutely fine. Yeah. You know, when the relationship yeah. was fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's what, what, what was going on up here in my head was affecting a lot more than I really understood. Uh, yeah. I had an awareness. I didn't even have an awareness of it because I totally accepted that these other things were the reason why. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We can just, like you say, give ourselves excuses as to why that dryness was there, such as yeah. you, know, you was going through the menopause and what have you. But actually, because I know I went through the menopause, it didn't affect my libido, it didn't affect my bodily natural juices or, or anything like that. So, no. I think, you know, like you say, we can convince ourselves that it's for that reason. But actually, you know, that it's usually reasons outside of ourselves that have impacted us, such as, you know, the, the relationship you had with your husband at the time. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you know, like I, I went looking, I'm, I'm a natural researcher um, and I found enough evidence to help me accept, you know, that that was the case. Mm. Because I didn't go looking for evidence of people that it wasn't happening to, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, only, I only went looking for the thing I wanted to find. I didn't go searching for the opposite of what I wanted to find. So that's another lesson, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And that's exactly what we do because our mind wants to prove us right, doesn't it? Yes, of course it does. Of course it does. Well, because otherwise, if you found out differently at the time, then I would have been faced with what I might have seen as a problem then. Mm. You know, it's like, Tracy, there's, there's something else I need to, to sort of like go and sort out. I, you know, it would have been a problem. And, and I maybe in some ways, I kind of wish I had done that and then would have been able to sort that out while Kevin was still here. Mm. And we could have sorted, you know, could have worked on that together. But there you go. That's that's how it is. You can't turn the clock back, as they say. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for sharing all of your insights and wisdom today and your personal experiences and being, you know, courageous enough to do that. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure the audience are appreciative of that, too. So for their benefit, what is your best contact information that you could share with them? Yeah, at, at the moment, I think if you are somebody who is... Um, widowed or has lost a partner um probably my facebook group which is called a widow's hats because i use the concept of whatever hat you wear is the mood you decide and the energy that you're in so it kind of was a good metaphor so yeah a widow's hats that's a facebook group and i think lynn you can put perhaps my link tree 
link in the notes of the show so people can find my website and there, there's other things out there but mainly if they want to go to my Facebook group I think that'd be a great start love to love to have you there love to have you there excellent well thank you so much again Julie it's been a fascinating conversation hasn't it just I didn't know all that was going to come out <laughs> <laughs> there you go but if it helps others I'm really I'm really glad about that that's that's the point of sharing our stories isn't it really yeah Absolutely, I'm sure it will. So on that note, listeners, I'm going to end with True Love Starts with Opening Our Hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's lyn at hearts-entwined.com Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.